My name's Corey. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be a member of this program. I've earned my seat. Um, I belong here. I, uh, the world outside may, not one, may wonder why I still come back here because I don't look like someone that would need to be in a program about food. And, and that's the, the, that's, this program works. And, and um, hopefully that's like one of the most minor things that you'll see about um, what I share about why this program works. <coughs> My life is really different. I, um, okay, so let me talk a little bit about the numbers. I'm feeling a little bit anxious and I'm not sure why because I was very calm on the way over before you were all in front of me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I came into uh, my first 12-step program in 1988, in August of 1988. About nine or so months later, I got to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I, uh, I can't tell you what my top weight was. I can't tell you what my bottom weight was because I just didn't hang out by the scale. I, um, I didn't get pictures taken at my top weight. I, I felt at my bottom weight I did because I thought I, it felt pretty powerful to me. I was probably maybe... I don't know, 15 or 20 pounds less than I am now, or I don't even know anymore. I just didn't. The num- those kinds of numbers weren't as important to me. When my clothes felt tight, I just would wear more clothes, so you couldn't. I didn't think you could see, even though it was really obvious. Um, I um, <clears throat> I didn't think I needed to be in over as anonymous. I didn't think I needed to be in my first program. My sister called me one day and said um, it was recommended to her then husband, a couple husbands ago, that um, <laughs> that they go and. She may hear this, so I should. I didn't mean it like that. But um, it was recommended to them that they go, uh, that she go to a program for loved ones of alcoholics. And she said she was afraid, so I went with her. And um, that probably was the first spiritual experience that I had here because I wouldn't have gone to that program for myself. My parents weren't alcoholics; they were jerks and um, <laughs> ragers and abusive in other ways, but they weren't alcoholics and. Um, and so it wouldn't have seen, I'm, I'm very literal, That's my disease is very literal. Um, I use the shampoo and the cream rinse at, at the same rate. I'm like really, you know, my wife doesn't, which is a whole other story. But um, that's, the le- that, that's really the, the um, anyway, so I, um, she may hear this too. <laughs> you never know. I love you, honey. Um, uh, our marriage is great, and we even joke about stuff like that, about how kind of hyper-rigid I am. She's rigid in other ways, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm so rigid, and I just didn't know I was rigid. So anyway, so I came in. I didn't know that I belonged in that other program, and I came with my sister. And, and, and God works in very mysterious ways because I got here, I, and I heard some things that I related to. If I had come for me, I would have talked myself out of relating because I didn't need you, I didn't need this. So then nine or so months later... Um, Spiritual experience number two, or, or of the, the big um, burning bush variety, um, I must have mentioned to someone in that program that I was struggling with my food. I didn't tell anybody about my food. I lived in the dorms for three years, um, and, and they uh, thought that I didn't eat sugar at all, which is the reason I'm laughing is because I was binging on sugar every day, but they didn't think that I did. So I'm really good at hiding, and so... Um, the fact that I must have mentioned about my food to somebody was just a miracle. And it was, she was somebody that I felt very safe with, and I knew her from school, and she was in the other program. And, and she had to tell me a few times that I might fit in here. Because like I, 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 the first time I, I said to her, you know, I'm 
struggling with my food or I don't even remember what I said. I must have, it must have been like an emotional blackout for me to even mention my food. I must have been, it must have been a hard night the night before with food. And um, she said, oh, well, did you know that I go to Overeaters Anonymous? And I said, oh, no, 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 I don't struggle in those ways. I struggle in these ways. Like, I just need to, my food is a little bit crooked. I just need to straighten it out and then I'm going to be fine. And um, a few weeks went by and, and the gift of that time was I got to see that I wasn't really, I would say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to eat that or I'm not going to eat after nine or my blood sugar, I won't do this. I'm also a type one diabetic, by the way, so I reference blood sugars because for me that's kind of a marker of, for, it's a marker, you know, as I remember back of, of how things were. Um, and after a few weeks, I, I, I've keep, I kept on asking her, do you think I'll really fit into Overeaters Anonymous? And she, um, every time she said, yes, you know, we're there. We've got to see it if you're interested. And she was very gentle about it. And um, I finally said I'd like to try a meeting. She said to me, you can come and not come back. I mean, if, if it doesn't fit for you, there's no, there's no sign-up fee for a year. There's, it's not a gym. You know, it's just, you just come and you see if you like it. You don't even have to put money in the basket if you really don't like it. Um, and I came and I felt instantly like you were my people. I was, bless you. Bless you. Wow. Um, I was living in a really small town in Northern California, Humboldt County. And no, I'm not a pot smoker. I was, I'm, I'm food. Food is my, I was a drinker, although that I was able to stop. Uh, so I, I thought I should be able, I, well, I, I can stop drinking the way I was drinking on my own. So I, I don't think that's an addiction for me. Um, then why can't I stop this food thing? There are people all over the place on TV that have these commercials where people just stop. They just, oh, I'm just going to stop, or I tried this program, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. And and I and I know that that stuff works for people. For me, because it was um, it was a spiritual malady, and I'll get into what that is for anybody who's new. Um, it wasn't as simple as just saying I'm not going to do this anymore. Because if it were, I wouldn't be here. So. Um, I was thinking this morning as I was driving here, trying not to practice what I was going to share. Um, I, um, uh, I was thinking about how, and some of you may relate to this, I, I am an introvert by nature. So, and, and that doesn't just mean that I'm shy, because um, people that know me now don't think I would, they wouldn't define me that way. But, you know, I really need quiet and alone time for me to recharge. That's for me what introvert means. And, and also, I had that addiction piece that it talks about in the big book where, I was afraid of people. So I was an introvert and I was afraid of people. And um, that was hard. I mean, it was hard for me. I did get a sponsor in the beginning because there were these things called the steps. There are 12 steps. And I thought, well, I can, if I have a topic, I, guess, I suppose it's like someone who's an actor who can really easily play another character, but they have a hard time just showing us up as themselves or whatever. I'm not an actor, but... I thought I can I can show up and have if I have a project right there's all these 12 steps and um, then I can then I can relate I, that gives me like a thing like I was in college so I could I could do that thing like I could work the steps with somebody so I could show up in that way um, so I got a sponsor pretty quickly I wanted to start working the steps pretty quickly because I wanted to finish the steps because I'm like you know cream rinse shampoo at the same time I'm like give me something to do and I'll work my way down it and um, we went to the beach. Uh, it was the spring, I think, in Humboldt County. Um, beautiful weather. We went to the beach with our dogs, and we read about the first three steps. I don't remember what that book was. I don't even know if it was conference approved. 
Um, I just remember that we read, in what we read, we read about the difference between helplessness and powerlessness. And that was really key for me. I don't know if that was a higher power thing. Or it could have been a happenstance, but I, I think I pretty much think most things are God these days. Um, and I and I started thinking about how it's it, powerlessness doesn't mean helpless. It doesn't mean like I just thought if I if I'm struggling with my food and I admit I'm powerless, it's really going to mean that I that I'm going to really go to town. I, I really thought that that was a very dangerous thing to do because I'm a controller, right? And so you're telling me to give up control and that's going to make it better. What if I go through the cream rinse faster? You know, I, I um, it just never occurred to me that there that. I never thought that I could survive really without controlling. That was my, in my family I had to survive and, and I, it was a really useful skill in my family. But anyway, so I was in the world and um, so I, so we walked, talked about the first three steps and at the end I, I didn't understand because I was brand new. I wanted to, I wanted to be a long timer when I was new. I didn't ever let myself be a newcomer because I really wanted I don't know. I wanted the wisdom. I wanted the accolades. I wanted what everybody thinks of long timers. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, oh, so so we started working the steps. We worked the first three steps together that one day on a Sunday at the beach. We went back to my sponsor's apartment, um, and and I said, "How do you?" She said, "How do you feel?" And I, you know, I was sort of waiting to see how I should feel. Like, how, how do you think I should feel? Because I didn't have any clue how I was feeling. That was part of my problem. That's part of why I ate, because I had all these feelings, and I didn't know what they were. How do I feel hungry? I feel hungry. That's how I feel. Or out of control. I, I, I lived in those polarities. Um, and, she, and I said, uh, I, I'm good, right? Because I thought that's, that's what you're supposed to feel good after you work the first three steps. And um, it never occurred to me that I felt exceedingly vulnerable, that I was terrified, that I um, was afraid of the, the next step, which is the fourth step. No, no, I didn't know about any of that stuff. So she, I said, well, how do you know when you're done with the first three steps? And she said, well, you know, do you, are, are you clear that you're powerless over food? So not clear. But I said, well, yeah, I told I, <laughs> spiritual experience on that beach. Wow. And the dogs just made it powerful. And, and she said, and do you, you think maybe there could be the, the, maybe some higher power? And, no. But, but I said to her, yeah, yeah, I'm, I think I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm just, woo, it's just a little, I thought it was a hot flash, but, um, you know, I mean, I wasn't quite that clear, but it was really, and then she said, and are, are you ready to make a decision to turn your will, your life, your food, everything over this higher power? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't have a clue what that meant. Um, the, the thing that I, that I didn't, had I been able to be more in my body, and I think I was, I, I was appropriately afraid for a newcomer, um, is I might have said, I don't have any idea if I'm ready. I, that took me years to, to not have any idea that I was ready for step three, and having worked the steps many times. But so we got down on, on our knees. She said, well, let's get down on our knees and let's hold. And she gave me the, the, 12 and, the A12 and 12, and we read the third step prayer, holding hands, which was very weird for me. I come from a religion where we don't necessarily hold hands when we pray and we don't get down to God. We raise up to God and, um, and, and we read this and it was so uncomfortable. But there was something as I look back where it helped me feel a little bit closer to her and it helped me trust her a little bit more. And um, I really thought that if I, if I told her that I didn't think I believed in God, 
that she was going to throw me away. And um, it took me some time to realize that, that, that people don't throw people away in this program. We don't do that. There, there's no, it's like we even talk about the steps or suggestions. There's not, um, you don't have to believe in God. I, I think for me what I've come to realize um, is when I sponsor new people is that you don't have to believe in God. You just have to know that you're not it. And there has to be something more powerful than you. And if it's the program, if it's sitting in a room with, I don't know how many of us, 60 compulsive overeaters at one time, is this more powerful than you? Then, then come to more meetings. Let that be your higher power. So um, it took me a long time before I really started believing in God. And I, I don't, God for me is like a, it's a sort of shorthand. I, um, I had a sponsor who was sort of eclectically spiritual from many different places. And um, with her is really when I realized, I, I think God sort of happened to me. And w- with her is when I realized that I do actually, in fact, have a profound belief in uh, uh, something greater than myself. I don't even know that it's a being. I don't, I don't even know what it is. But um, most times I call it spirit. But I can, you know, God is a good shorthand for me in here because um, that's the language that we use. So we all know what we're talking about. Um, and and the, the way I discovered that I believed in God was that I lost... Uh, I, I had been feeling uh, pretty connected to the world, to all of you. Um, when there were bumps and bruises in my life, I could uh, sort of get back on track more quickly. I believed that there was something, you know, I just had all these different philosophies that included God. And, and something, I don't even remember what the content was in my life, but I all of a sudden stopped feeling that. And I, and I had... Um, I had a head full of program and an empty heart, and it was one of the most lonely, profound times for me. I think even more lonely than when I was eating, because I because I knew what it felt like to really feel like there's 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 a God, there's some you know I, I have something to turn things over to. Um, and I called my then sponsor and and I said you know I don't feel God, I'm, I'm mad. I and, and she said, what's your definition of God? And I said. Well, you know, I went, I, I'm a good OA student, and I went to a retreat at Camp Hess Kramer back in the early 90s, and they said write a one ad for God, and I dutifully did it, and I put it in my keeper's file, in my file cabinet, and I pull it out every time, I, and this is God, right? And I, and I read to her what it said on the list, and she said, is it possible that the definition that you wrote when you were new in program fit for you then? But it doesn't fit for you anymore. Maybe you have it so clearly defined on this list, but maybe God's different than that or bigger than that or some of those things no longer apply and maybe there's new things. And she said, maybe could you try not defining God for a while and just see what happens? And I stopped defining God and my higher power got bigger or my life got bigger or something. I don't even know. But um, the the point was I, I wanted in the beginning, I really needed something to define and that's that's how I connected with this program, the, the steps and the definitions and what do you do and how do you eat and what it is. I needed all of that. Um, and at some point, the, all of the ways that I constructed the rigidity, the hyper rigidity for me that I had constructed around my program stopped working and I had to make some changes. And so um, when I was new, I'll talk about food for a little bit since we're in Overeaters Anonymous. When I was new... Um, in Humboldt County, there were two meetings a week in the town that I lived in. And I don't know if anybody here is from a small town. Um, I, I'm from here, but I moved there for college. And 
small town culture, like Eureka was 10 minutes away, but n- no one, like you didn't go, it just was far to go to the next town, which is funny because I drove 20 minutes to get here from Fox Hills, and this is like, oh, this is, a, oh, the meeting is close, right? It's just different in L.A. I mean, I spoke at a meeting in uh, Oak Park last week or two weeks ago. That's like 50 minutes away, and, and, and that was, just, I was like, oh, good, a trip to the valley, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, on a Sunday morning, how fun. Um, it was time for Starbucks. So I, um, where was I? So anyway, so two meetings a week. So um, I, uh, I didn't know, I, I knew, I was raised in a family where my mother was pretty health conscious. She um, probably still is. She, um, she was on Weight Watchers, which was kind of, I think, the big thing at the time. And um, I learned a lot from her around a meal. Like I learned... Um, well, I won't go into that. Um, some people use that for their food plan. I, I use other things, but um, I uh, what was I going? Oh, so I learned about like good food and bad food is what I learned. There's good food and then there's bad food. And um, and when I came here, I thought there was good food and bad food, and I didn't realize that abstinence is, you know. It has to be something that I can live with, and it can't be so hyper-rigid. So the first abstinence that I set up, I don't even, I've got five minutes. Okay, thank you for the awesome sign. Um, so I, um, I set up a food plan where I really basically could eat nothing, you know. I mean, like, I don't even know what I was allowed to eat, but, I, you know, there was really nothing on the, there were a lot of things on the no list. And um, I called my sponsor, and this, this may be a little bit controversial, but I called my sponsor one day when I lived in Humboldt County, and I said, um, I bro- I've broken my abstinence. I've broken my abstinence, and I just wanted to inform you, you know, or something like that. And she said, well, first of all, maybe you don't decide that you break your own abstinence until you talk to your sponsor, which was profound for me that I would include someone else in the intimacy of my food. Um, and she said... Um, and tell me what you ate. And I said, well, you know, I was trying to do no sugar and I ate a piece of candy and then, and I just had to call and tell you about it. And she said, so how did you used to eat? And I said, I ate huge bags of this and huge bags of that and I didn't stop. And she said, you ate one and you called your sponsor and you feel like you need to start over. You might want to look at how rigid your abstinence is set up. Now, some people... The reason I say that's controversial potentially is because some people are no sugar no matter what, and that would be a break. And, and there's no judgment about that. But for me, coming from this place of super hyper-rigidity, and even today, I've been in programs since 1988, I'm not a no sugar person. There's things that I don't do with food. There's behaviors that I don't do with food, like the bins at Whole Foods. But um, I'm not a no sugar person. As a type 1 diabetic, I always carry glucose tablets. There's just, there are particulars for me. But at that time, I... I it was like my first lesson in a food plan, which was don't make it so rigid that there's no way to follow it. So anyway, um, so over the years, so I also, as I mentioned, when I was new, I thought that I had a problem with food and that's why I needed to be here. What I didn't realize was that food was my solution. The, the problem was so many other things. The problem was I was terrified of you. The problem was I was in a relationship that didn't fit for me. The problem was that um, I didn't know how to, I was in college and I didn't think I could ever be self-supporting and it was terrifying for me. The problem was all sorts of things. I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't understand what boundaries were. Um, I didn't know what I liked and didn't like. I didn't know uh, my feelings from your feelings. There are all these other things that were really the problem. And food, thank God, was the solution. 
um, it stopped working, which is why I needed this, because that was my addiction, right? So I always say to come to, come to Overeaters Anonymous solely because the food is like going to AA because you have bloodshot eyes. It's like, yes, we need to get abstinent, but then we need to work the steps for, for what's really the, the, our difficulties in the world. Um, if, if I didn't have all of you and relationships and people, and if it could be me and my cats, I'd... You know, I might not need the steps. I don't know. But anyway, so um, so those were my big problems. I didn't have any clue, really. I thought I was pretty evolved as a being. Um, and I was when it was just me and my food. Um, I, it, it, it was 11 hours from where I went to college to Los Angeles. And, um, and I would drive it. I, my second year in college, I brought my car up there. And I would drive it. And I would have so much food in my car. And that was like heaven to me. It was heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days, my life doesn't look that way. I've, I've worked at the same day job for 26 years, and inching to retirement in four years. And, um, uh, and they don't have any idea. that they, When I mention that there are things that I don't eat or I talk about having with people that I know, you know, or they'll say something about food or body or weight or whatever. I'll say I used to be heavy. Um, people will say, you? But you eat so healthy. They don't have any idea because it doesn't look that way on the outside anymore because of this program. Um, so I just I know I just have another minute. I just want to say I've worked all 12 steps many times. I think for me that's where the answers are these days. And, and, and also the, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous has been a great guide for me. When I'm in a meeting and I have my big book with me and I hear something really profound, I write it in my big book. And what I recently did was I created a Word document of all the things that I've heard in meetings that are written in my big book and I called it Between the Lines and it's saved in my iCloud so I always have it on my iPhone. Um, and you guys say some really profound things. And sometimes when I want to eat, I pick up my Between the Lines Word document on my iPhone in my iCloud, which we didn't have in 1988. Um, and, I, and I remember, sometimes I remember exactly who said it. Someone said, we don't get abstinent. Um, God gets us abstinent. We just have to find a way to keep it. Right, and so I keep on coming back to meetings to find a way to keep my abstinence. Um, I'm married. Time, okay. So I'm married. That, that, then that happened, um, and, I'm, and I'm able to stay married because I have because we each have our own programs and we have a language and um, and because I don't eat, I share when I'm uncomfortable and what I need and what and listen when I when she shares what she needs and. Um, Gosh, there's so much more. But the important thing is, for me, this program works, and I, and I wish it would work for everyone. I wish everyone would find a program. So thank you. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question after it is asked. So, and Carol, you'll stop us at time? Okay. Okay. Any questions? Yes. Thank you very much, Cory. Could you talk about how you dealt with the difference between how you dealt with life things in the first years of the program and now almost 30 years later how you dealt with them these last few years and sort of if you can see it you know what I mean the difference in the overall trajectory of how you handle your life 
profound question, yes. So the question is how, what, the difference between how I, did, I dealt with things in the beginning and how I deal with things now. Um, yeah, well, so um, someone said to me once that for every year that we're in program, we get another second between thought and action. And I really found that to be true. So I was very impulsive when I was new, um, especially around things that made me uncomfortable, like someone asked me how I felt or where I wanted to go to dinner or whether I was going to eat or not eat. Or, um, and I did things really uh, in a very knee-jerk way. And now I pause. It, it says in the literature that we pause when agitated. And I, um, I, mean, I think that's really the over... If, if there were an umbrella answer to that question, it's really about pausing. Um, I, uh, I, I, had, I, I, I was so shame-based in the beginning and now I have a lot of compassion both for myself and interestingly when I have compassion for myself I do for other people so when, um, when there are conflicts that arise in my life now um, if I don't pause and I say something you know that um, then, I'm, then I make amends and I you know we talk it through especially being married we've been together for 10 years and there's stuff that comes up she, there's things that she does that drive me crazy and and I and I just got rid of people in the beginning when I was new I didn't if you did something that I didn't like I couldn't tolerate it so I just got rid of you so um, I've also had some really big life things happen and um, in the beginning I, I just I was so anxiety based that I um, I didn't know that there was a solution really and now I know that there's one day at a time or one second at a time where I can get through things by taking a breath and then doing something in the next breath. So I hope that answered the question. Um, yeah, Cor. Hi. Thanks, Corey. How do you practice the spiritual side of the program? What do you spiritual practice? Um, so pausing when agitated is probably my most profound. Um, coming to meetings. Um, I uh, praying. I, I I pray um, when the difficulties come up. I pray when um, when I feel anxious. I pray. Um, I pray on the way to work. Sometimes not every day. Not as a not as a daily ritual. Um, I visit the ocean a lot because I know that I can't stop the waves, and that's proof that I'm not bigger than everything. Um, uh, I talk. I have a lot of friends who are in program and. I have meetings on the phone. I, I called a friend of mine yesterday and said, do you have six? And that's our code for like, do you have six minutes? And we each, we do a prayer. We, we share. We come, someone chooses a topic. So that's, um, uh, I don't eat things that take me out um, because then I'm not connected to God. Um, I go where the love is for the most part. And when I'm going where the love isn't, I bookend it. Um, so those are all I mean I think I could talk forever really about practicing the the practices of, of the spiritual things that I do but those are some okay. yeah you're welcome So do I ever want to escape life in general or, or specific situation, and what do I do? Um, yes. I mean, not life in general. I mean, I, I, I took that very literally. I don't, I'm, I'm not life in general, um, or not life specifically, I suppose. But, um, oh, yeah, all the time. I, um, 
I would go on a vacation a month if I could, because when I'm on a cruise and someone's preparing my food and I've got and I don't have to worry about work, I'm in the zone. But the problem is you can't live life on a cruise, right? Um, especially being married to someone who doesn't want to take a cruise more than once every three years. So, because um, we've had that talk. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do. I. Um, so yesterday was Friday. It was for all of us, unless you're on the other side of the world. And um, at the end of Friday, sometimes I want to have a really nice, I always think about, and I'll tell my wife in the morning, what are we doing for dinner? What are we doing for dinner? Um, one day at a time, right? I can think about dinner in the morning. and Because um, I'm thinking, where is the place that's going to make me feel the best? So she went for sushi last night which I don't really like, so I had to come up with my own dinner. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's maybe, I don't know if that's the nature of human beings or just addicts or, you know, I think it's maybe everyone, but I do when I work the program. You know, I, um, I go where the love is. I stay connected to people. Um, I, I don't, I once heard somebody at a meeting say that they, they don't have abusive people in their lives because they can't afford it anymore. And I still, I mean, I, I, I have some that are related to me, and I can't, you know, just get rid of them. But, but I don't spend a lot of time with them. Um, so I want to think about whether I answered your question or not. So, yeah, I want to escape all the time. I, I can retire in four years. I'm crunching the numbers trying to see how I can retire now because I think that will make me feel better. But the truth is when I've been on vacation for two weeks where we haven't gone away, I go stir crazy after about a week. So that, I think that's going to be an escape, but it's really not. But, um, yeah, and I, I think my solution is that I find ways to get grounded. Um, and I have lots of those now. I have, um, I should actually, this is another thing, I should make a list of all the ways that, get, that I get grounded. The beach, when I have like a, a day all to myself, um, I go to the beach with my journal and I just sit and write. I've been doing a lot of writing lately. And um, I suppose that's maybe an escape too, but it's one that works that, that isn't toxic for me. So, yeah. Hi, thanks for your share. I'm at this meeting and I guess this was really, I don't think it makes it, but it was a really concrete thing that you did on the journey that we were able to, which was really inspiring. I feel like a lot of the other times I've heard just seem so easy. Um, you make it seem easy. You make it look oh. easy. Uh, and I guess my question for you is how do you find a place of non-judgment coming back to LA? I think that there's definitely, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but there's definitely some you know, out there and I sometimes feel uncomfortable coming into the room and sharing. And so I guess I'm wondering for you, when you first started and, and the years preceding, how do you find a place of non-judgment? How do I find a place of non-judgment for myself for yourself, toward others? Or, or Just for yourself being in, in the group and, okay. and the group in the context of your life. Yeah. Um, okay, so how do I find a place of non-judgment just kind of in general in my life, right? I guess. Yeah. yeah, so what I'll tell you is I didn't realize how judgmental I was in the beginning when I first came to program. I just thought that people did it wrong or you did it right. And if you were doing it my way, then you were doing it correctly. And, and that was part of my hyper-rigidity that I had, that paradigm of just, you know, there's, there's one way to do it. And if I'm not doing it right, then I'm in the wrong. If you're not doing it right, then you're definitely in the wrong. And um, I, think, I, I think the answer for me is compassion, although that doesn't, that's not tangible. But I found an extremely uh, deep place of compassion within myself. But I did that by, um, I don't know, I think learning to take care of myself. 
learning when um, what I wanted, what I needed in the world. Uh, it, if there was somebody in my life that really was, I found uh, particularly toxic for me, either having the conversation or taking a step back from those kinds of relationships. And when I got myself out of um, scenarios where there was a lot of judgment or where I had a lot of judgment, um, I don't know, I found that compassion ensued. I think it's a great question. I, I Call me because I want some time to think about it. Um, also, one of the things, and, and as you know, as we all work the steps, we get to the sixth step, which is really about um, letting our higher power remove from us the things that we call them character defects, but the things that um, that tend to recre- keep on creating scenarios in our life where issues happen. Um, I think um, judgment for me was one of those things that I really had to let my higher power lift from me rather than me trying to figure out how to um, get rid of it myself. Yeah. So the, the journey from being super shame-based to being in a place more of acceptance and how the program has helped me with that. Yeah, well, so um, let's see if I can do this in, in a succinct way. Um, so the steps for me did many things. It not only helped me get closer to my higher power, but it also allowed me to trust people. And when I gave away my first four-step um, I thought my sponsor, there were things I wasn't going to tell her because I, I told her, I said, look, there's stuff that I'm not going to tell anybody and I don't want to write them on my four-step, but it says searching and fearless and I don't know how to write that one. And she said, well, write it down on your four-step and then when you come to it on your fifth step, if, if you realize that you have to keep it for your own recovery, then keep it. Like she was so like non-judgmental about it. She just was like, look, if you, need, if you find that there are things that giving them away would be worse for you, then don't... Um, and, and I think she, she had so much compassion for me that that helped me have a little bit more. I mean, for me, th- there's a continuum. And one side is rigidity and the other side is compassion. And maybe this is part of your question, too. And, and, I, and the rigidity was shame-based and I need to be a certain way. And if I'm not that way, then I certainly can't let you see it. So I'll just wear a bigger sweatshirt when I gain weight because then you really won't see me. Um, and I think by working the steps, by working with a sponsor, also by coming to meetings and hearing all of you, I realized that I really wasn't all that different. Maybe I'm different from non-compulsive overeaters because they never threw something away and went back and got it out of the trash and ate the second half um, or didn't have to put dish soap on it so they wouldn't do that. But in here, I, I'm not all that different than any of you. And the things that I, that I felt like nobody would still like me if they knew about me, I heard you all share. Thank you. Um, and that helped me uh, accept them about myself. And, and when I let the sunlight in, which is sort of the metaphor for working the steps and doing a, you know, the four through nine um, and making amends to people, is really when I got to see that I wasn't, I really thought that I was awful. Um, and, and there were certainly behaviors that, that I did that weren't uh, very compassionate or kind. But I just did the deal. I did everything that it said that we do here which is the steps, the tools, the get a sponsor, 
get sponsees, come to meetings, get my butt in the chair so that if I feel like I want to eat, at least there's an hour a day where I'm thinking about something else. So hopefully that answered. Yeah. Um, thanks for, uh, for your share. Um, I'm pretty much a newcomer to this program. Uh, I found sobriety in another program 15 months fairly easily, but there's like a, I don't know, clear-cut rigidity to that program that this one doesn't have. Um, do you have any recommendations for the newcomer as far as how to go about finding a sponsor that works and what makes for a good food program for an individual? Sure. So the question is um, really how to begin, right? How to begin with a sponsor, yeah. Um, well, um, I can tell you for me in the beginning, um, I found sponsors just by going to a lot of meetings and listening to people who said things that made sense to me that had some similar uh, behaviors and experiences. And, um, and in the beginning, um, I asked some people to sponsor me that didn't quite fit. So what I learned to do was call people a few times to see if that's really a good fit and then see if they have openings and try it for 30 days. Um, I think it is difficult because this isn't black and white. We can't put the plug in the jug um, like people can in other programs. Um, but I, uh, I tried on different things. I asked people. I mean, I, I, I really created an interactive experience for me around the isolation of my eating disorder. And I said, what do you eat? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? What do you eat? What do you do? How many times do you call your sponsor a week? How many meetings do you go to a week? I just got very curious. Um, I, as I mentioned, I didn't let myself be a newcomer in the beginning because I thought that was like a bad thing. But it's there's so this is a you, you can't be a newcomer again. So uh, let yourself enjoy it. Ask a million questions. I mean, you can always be a newcomer again, really in your heart. But but don't you, there's I, I learned that I didn't have to do it alone. I wanted to figure it out and I wanted to think. Okay, what do I? How fast do I work the steps? What do I eat? I wanted to look good. I wanted to sound good. I listened to what you said. I parroted it back. <coughs> Excuse me, and I, I forgot to watch the people who had gone before me to see what they did. So, <coughs> I'm sorry, you can edit that out. Uh, one, and then if we have time, two. Um, thank you, Corey. Um, have you, uh, have you uh, been able to find do I have experience with anxiety? <laughs> do I have experience with anxiety? Yes. I'm very anxious-based, um, anxiety-based. Um, I, um, I didn't know I was anxiety-based in the beginning. Um, I just felt like a rabid dog sometimes. I felt like I, I couldn't sit, I couldn't stand, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't. And I learned... Um, not only through other people in this program, but also from professional help, that that's called anxiety. And I was having a panic attack, and I didn't know that. Um, so I do a lot of things. I, I also think, um, you know, there are, I, I can get probably 99% of my life from this program. And I also needed some medication for myself. I'm not suggesting that for anyone else. That really helped me stay grounded because I was so anxious that I couldn't function. Um, um, but I just did, I, I just worked the steps and I talked to a lot of people. I found that people that weren't anxiety based weren't so helpful for me because it's like talking to somebody who doesn't have a food issue about food. And people would say, well, maybe, maybe you just need to really sit through the panic attack and then you'll get experience that you can sit through it and then you won't have to go through it anymore. And I, and, and I, and for me, it wasn't about sitting through the panic attack because that wasn't anybody that's had a panic attack and knows it from the inside out it's easier said than done. It's like, well, why don't you just put down the bagel? Oh, that never occurred to me. <laughs> you know? So, um, 
I, um, so I, I talked to people who had who had it, um, and which is what you're doing. So what did I do specifically? Um, prayer and meditation. Um, I, I we talk about meditation here, but I went other places to learn about specific types of meditation. Um, uh, I stayed really close with sponsors, when, and I still do when I'm particularly anxious. Um, oh no. Uh, yeah. So um, and, and and we'll talk. I owe you a call anyway. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Thank you.